Hello and welcome to Adipod, a podcast by the Australian Taxpayers Alliance. I'm your host, Emilio Garcia. Today, we talk to Katerina and Elliot of the ATA about nicotine vaping in Australia, as well as education in Australia. Please enjoy the episode, and remember that due to the holiday season, this is going to be our last episode for a couple of weeks. Please stick around after the episode to learn more about the ATA and enjoy the episode. Okay, here we are once again in the Australian Taxpayers Alliance office. We're here with uh, Katerina and with Elliot. Uh, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Um, you didn't have a choice. You work here, but still, I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, we're going to talk really quickly about education because since Monday, essentially, there's been no good news for Australian education. Uh, a report uh, from PISA, which is the international certification kind of... Um, I don't know if it's certification, but it basically measured the standard of different countries' level of education. Uh, that was damning. It, it really was. Uh, our spending on education has gone up severely, dramatically uh, over the last 10 years, and our students are doing worse off than they were 10 years ago. And I, I mean, it's just mind-boggling. But uh, Elliot, you've been kind of across the story, so do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, so for New South Wales, it's been especially embarrassing, which is bad, mm. being obviously the the biggest state in the country, the yeah. uh, de facto capital of Sydney, even mm-hmm. though the little goblins down the swamp like to think otherwise. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the PISA results for Australia were really, really bad news. Mm. Um, so we slipped a number of places across math and literacy. And in New South Wales, that was particularly bad. New South Wales, I think, ranks fifth now of the Australian states. What? Uh, yeah, which is really, really poor performance. Unreal. Um, the results are particularly interesting when you look at the funding as well, because obviously one of the things that people like to say is that we just need to throw more money at it. <laughs> Great solution to every problem, yeah. right? But no, because uh, our results from 2015 onwards have been falling in the PISA scores. Yep. And since that time, the 2014-15 uh, financial year, the budget of the education department went from $38 billion to $46 billion. So it's increased wow. by about $1.5 billion a year every single year for the last five years, and our PISA scores continue to tumble. So for every $1.5 billion that we invest, we're essentially getting in return less educated students. Yeah, we're getting about you know a term or so uh, dumber for every billion and a half that we throw at it. Uh, that's really a big yeah. problem for us. Well, I mean, it's never failed before. I don't know why the government would be so surprised. Yeah. Every time that we try to improve something simply by increasing the budget, it's always uh, had fantastic results. I don't, know, I don't know why anyone could think that that wasn't... Uh, that wasn't kosher. Um, so let, let, let's discuss this a little bit because essentially the way I think in which PISA checks all of this is essentially with the test scores, right? So PISA has an international uh, test and I believe that China was number one. Yeah. I wonder why. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I was told by Brian, the executive director, that we have to be a little bit cautious of those numbers because since it is China, they very much control yes. what comes out. It can be that they're just, you know, reporting in the large cities and whatever. Still, in the large cities, there's several, many more people than in all of Australia. <laughs> uh, after that, we had countries like Singapore, not surprisingly. Uh, I believe Sweden is doing better than us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I guess I, we have to wonder, what is Australia really doing wrong? I mean, there's things that we can theorize, I mm. guess. I mean, what are, what are kids learning? What's mm. changing the curriculum? What's Has it more changed? important? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, there certainly has been um, a relatively big shift in the curriculum away from uh, the conventional, the, the three R's approach, you know, the reading, writing, mm. arithmetic, yeah. um, that arithmetic. everyone sort of grew up being familiar with. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot more of a drive towards student-driven learning, which mm. is obviously where teachers are less prescriptive about what they teach and how they teach it, and yeah. students are encouraged to give their feedback and you know, talk about how they learn, which is mm. a pretty dubious concept given that they're there to learn rather <laughs> yeah. than be teaching teachers. But of course. that probably has something to do with it, I would imagine. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. It's kind of like what, what, what Kat was saying a second ago. It's like, okay, sure, I mean, PISA results on their own are damning, but I mean, is there, is there a greater issue within the Australian uh, educational system, which is to say, is it just that our students aren't performing well when it comes to mathematics and reading and, and science, I believe was the mm-hmm. other one? Or is it that we're just teaching them wrong? Well, yeah, it's probably a mix of teaching them the wrong thing. Yeah. I mean, separate to that, we see kids being encouraged to just ditch school <laughs> to go to <laughs> protest right. that, mm. you know, protest the weather. So, yeah. I mean, that's also happening. That's probably why they have such low science scores. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> listen to the science. Like, you listen to the science. We don't listen to the science, so... <laughs> you don't understand it. Look at PISA. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it, there's probably a few things that are contributing mm. to it, but uh, throwing money at the problem hasn't worked in the past, so that's just what we're going to go with, is that... Yeah. I don't know if that's the best route to take to fix this problem. Yeah. And speaking of spending and education, <laughs> uh, we've had a politician who's had themselves quite a uh, luxurious trip on our mm. dime, haven't we? Sarah Mitchell. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> what was the story there? I, I, I did understand at a, at a very basic level that essentially a public employee yeah. basically used our money to give her and her staff just a luxurious First class vacation. Yeah, so eight days, eight days overseas, and she spent ninety thousand dollars. Ninety thousand dollars. <laughs> that's something that, like, you know, that's that's more than the average salary of the average Australian. I was about she to say she spent that in a week for eight days. Right. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it gets explain. even worse, right? <laughs> when you look at uh, the trip in in more detail, so mm. she took herself and one staffer, and then there was a departmental official who accompanied her. So that was the total cost for the three of them. Came to ninety thousand. Wow. What's really impressive is that uh, to visit two countries in eight days, between herself and her staff alone, they managed to rack up $48,000 in, in flights. Kidding. That is, that is something else. So the transport costs get even better when you look at what they did on the ground, right? So the, okay. uh, $48,000 for the, the flights for just uh, Minister Mitchell and her staffer. Mm. Um, they also then spent nearly two thousand dollars on chauffeurs taking them around. Like, so clearly the minister hasn't heard of Uber or Lyft or yeah. like one of the countless variants that they have over there. That was going to be my question because I thought when I saw chauffeur, I was like, oh, does that mean that she's just like taking Ubers and that's how you categorize the expense? Yeah, but, well, if she's if she's taking Ubers, they're Uber very black, expensive. Right? Uber, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, they've they limousines. One for her, one, one for the other one, going to the same place or something. Yeah, she just yeah. happened to uh, to share an Uber with uh, no. Elon Musk or something like that, <laughs> uh, might have built it for it. Um, and then I think for the, the group of three, so mm. her staffer and her and this departmental guy, um, they managed to rack up 10 grand on eight nights accommodation. I don't know mm-hmm. where they were staying, but that's, that's nice, right? That's not your Airbnb. That's not uh, a mid-range hotel even. Right. That's hundreds and hundreds of dollars per night per person, like 400 and some odd dollars a night. For all of them. Can you repeat that figure just really quickly? So it's $10,000 for three people for eight days. I reckon I could get a 10-year-old to Google me a oh. cheaper accommodation for three people for eight nights. Oh, definitely. Oh, and quite Easily. nice. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm sure. Absolutely. 
That is, uh, that's really unbelievable. And what was the purpose of this trip? Yeah, so this is, this is the interesting one. Uh, in all, with all the criticism, her response has been, well, we had to go over there to study comparable school systems to determine why these countries are doing better than we are, because they are. Right. Um, and despite the fact Canada, for example, spends less money uh, than they do, mm. the United States spends less of their uh, GDP on education than we mm. do and still they're outperforming us. Right. Um, so she had to go and inspect a bunch of schools, which is interesting because last time I checked, you don't have to actually pay to have a chat with a school principal, especially so. if you're a minister, you know, they make time for you. Yeah. It's not a, a pay to play kind of thing. So <laughs> how did she spend all this money on such a pointless expedition to study schools which are fundamentally the same by her own or the admission of the ministry itself. They are similar school systems. Yeah. No, and I'm just wondering, I mean, maybe maybe it's just because I'm not in the education space, but do you need to go to the United States and have a luxurious time in order to learn these things? Can't you look at documents or reforms? Can you see what was done before and after? I mean, all these things, you know, it's very bureaucratic in the United States. Mm. Uh, so I'm sure you could see what they're doing without having to spend, uh, what was it, $90,000? Yeah, $90,000 yeah. for the trip. It's an interesting hmm. approach to it. I don't <clears throat> exactly think the taxpayers are getting a lot of value out of paying that much money. You know, you're really? nearly talking hundred grand yeah. just to have someone walk around a few classrooms. <laughs> because it's not as if, if you walk into King's or, or mm. Scott's or one of the other high-performing schools in uh, Australia, and we mm. do have some remarkably high-performing schools, you don't get a picture of education across Australia by walking <laughs> through a few good schools. Likewise, if you went to a few of the lower-performing schools in our country, mm. you don't get anything by walking around a couple of schools that will tell you anything about the national curriculum or the reason their country is doing better. And certainly not for a day. I mean, education is a long-form process. I mean, you have kids being educated. That's important to absorb. But you need to absorb it over more than one day, I'm guessing. Uh, I'm sure it's different during exam seasons. I'm sure that it's different nearing the end of the year. I mean, all these things would have to be looked at holistically. I'm guessing, again, I'm not an education expert, but I'm just saying, like, based on the way in which you would try to absorb any issue, if you just try to see one day one thing, you're probably not going to learn very much. I mean, I don't know if I'm going out on a limb here, but would it just sound like maybe uh, also, she decided to treat herself to a nice trip? Yeah, I think ultimately this just shines a light to how little our politicians care about where uh, and how much they're spending mm -hmm. our tax dollar on. Yeah. Something like this should be an uproar. We should be holding them accountable for for just mm. absolutely wasting taxpayer money. Um, and this is buried on page yeah. 100 and whatever. Yeah, exactly. And it's just going to continue if we don't, you know, put a stop to it. It, it is crazy. I, I uh, Australia seems to be very uh, trigger happy when it comes to spending Yes. And to regulating. I mean, there. I've never seen... I've lived in a lot of places. I mean, look, uh, like, what, like what Elias just said, mm. we continue to throw money at education. Yeah. It's not working. So what's the solution? We go and spend more money to go and walk around a classroom. Yeah. And that costs $100,000? Unreal. Come on. No, and then, I mean, okay, let's say that you justify that expense. I don't know how you could. But then, okay, where where are our results? Where are the results? Exactly. Like, I need to know, if you spend $100,000, exactly what you learned, yeah. how that's going to be implemented, mm -hmm. what's going to change over the next whatever period of time. Mm -hmm. Because right now, what it seems is like, oh, I went to uh, exploration mission. Yeah. Okay. And? So ultimately, if you know our politicians are going to spend money, mm -hmm. they, sh they should be held accountable at least. So we know, yeah. you know they're spending that money. Yeah. Um, 
justify. Right. Well, I do remember uh, early on when I just got to Australia, I was still a student, and I went to the Center for Independent Studies for a conversation. Now, you know, we don't want to talk too fondly about the CIS. You know, there are competition. Our podcast is much better than theirs, by the way. But uh, they were talking about the fact that it seems that a lot of programs implemented, a lot of government programs, are approved essentially just like on a conceptual basis. So they say, this is what we're trying to do. This is what we're going to achieve, yada, yada. And then there's no follow-up. So like, did you achieve, like, what were your metrics? What were you trying to achieve? Were you able to do that? No. And I think that's the same thing here. You know, whatever her name is. What's her name? Sarah Mitchell. Sarah Mitchell went and said, I want to go on a fact-finding mission to America to understand why they're doing better than us. And they said, that's a great idea. Here's the money. Mm. Parameters. What, 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 what was going to be done after the K... No, well, just because the government sees the taxpayers, the it's just a gut, like a bottomless pit of money. We there's are. No, yeah, there's no, there's no end. Yeah. If they need to, if they need to buy, you know, to pay for more things. They can just you know, mm. continue to tax us. Yeah. Well, another thing that's really telling in this case is that uh, if you remember, I believe it was earlier this year, um, Bridget McKenzie, the sports minister, took a twenty-four thousand dollar flight from uh, mm. somewhere in the Northern Territory of Queensland. Uh, down to one to the southern seaboard to watch an ice hockey game. She like, took absurd, a, a, absurd. Twenty four hundred right? or twenty four thousand. Twenty four thousand. She chartered a private. Uh, it oh. was an ADF flight, actually. Um, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a whole. And that was that a fact finding mission, <laughs> right? That, but when uh, it came out mm. and it did come out and it was very ugly for her, obviously mm. and rightly so. She said it was the only possible way for me to make it from point A to point B. And I would question the value of whether she needed to go from point A to point B, but it was oh. true that there were no private flights from where she was to where she was going. No Fine. public flights. No, no public flights, yeah. sorry. Um, but what Minister Mitchell came out and said was, we went there on a fact-finding mission, yeah. and we spent uh, spent everything in accordance with the regulations. We, we did everything we were legally obliged to do. <laughs> That's not what you say when you did the best you could. Right. Richard McKenzie said, there was no other way for me to do it. That's why it cost so much. Mm. Sarah Mitchell didn't say, we had to spend 90 grand. Right. I had to spend $2,000 on chauffeurs yeah. and 10 grand on accommodation in just you know barely over a week. Mm -hmm. She just said, it was all legal. We were there on a fact-finding mission. Mm. I don't have to explain myself to you. Yeah. But she does. She's right. not legally obliged to, but she does. She oh, should have to explain that. There's a lot of legal things that you can get away with. I mean... I suppose that I could charter myself an Uber black home every day and mm. say, well, that's, you know, I, I'm your employee. I need to, I need to live. I need to get home. So, uh, you right. know, is it illegal? Are you going to throw me in jail? Probably not. And that's still appropriate. Some, someone, so you work for a company and you do that. Someone from accounts will come down oh. and talk to you and there, there will be overview, but there's not that overview in the public service. Mm. You tick the box to say, I did everything by the books and they say, okay, no questions asked. Yeah. But that's not good enough when the money that they our spending has been taken from hard-working Australians. Oh, yeah, indeed. Well, I mean, and this is getting off topic, but, you know, right now, obviously, <laughs> over the past many years, uh, we had a, um, a construction project of a platform for Internet, the NBN, uh, mm. the, the infrastructure for Internet that, you know, very expensive. success. Last $53 billion, was it? Yeah. yeah. 52 $53 billion, uh, behind schedule, over budget, just ridiculous, right? And now... It turns out, oh, not enough people are actually buying into it because it's not very good. So all the people that aren't using NBN, we're just going to tax them. Mm -hmm. And that just, that just gives you some insight into the mind of the government. Mm -hmm. That for them, any issue that they have can be solved with 
our money. Yeah. It really can because, I mean, you can't, the government can't spend money really at scale it doesn't have. So that's why, that's why we have the taxes that we have, which is, you know, ridiculous and annoying. Uh, but speaking of ridiculous and annoying, I'm going to change the subject a, a bit. Uh, vaping. Vaping oh, in Australia. Yeah. Uh, my word. <laughs> where, where do we begin? Oh, where do we begin? That's, a, that's an interesting question. Because in Australia, obviously, uh, it's not, uh, nicotine mm-hmm. isn't legal. Uh, it's legal in, you know, patches and gum and things that don't Oh, yeah, stuff. you can go to Coles and get spray that's got nicotine in it, and yeah. that's fine. That's all yeah. good, but... But the one that actually works, vaping, the one that's, like, actually a viable alternative, the one that uh, is relatively safe as compared to cigarettes, all that, that's illegal. Uh, and for some reason, you know, Australia seems to be very, very rigid on the point. Uh, most other uh, developed countries... I would say uh, not so much... Yeah, it's just the our policymakers are sort of picking and choosing what they're... Yeah. What evidence they're looking at. Yeah, well, they're looking at all the, the non-evidence, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's exactly the point. So, mm. you know, just today, um, we were on the Quit Quit website. Was mm. I Quit website? It's just, uh, some sort of new government initiative where you uh, create an account and you can see different kinds of quit methods. Okay. Um, and it's a sort of a forum where you can chat to people and have a bit of support. Um Upon looking at the information on that website, it seems like, you know, they're really into the quit with willpower, even though, you know, if it was that simple, no one would be smoking. Of course. Um, you know, patches, replace, nicotine replacement, mm. champix, all of that is sort of championed as a way to quit. Yeah. Whereas vaping, I mean, as they're not saying don't do it, which I guess is better than, yeah. you know, better. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they're essentially saying is there's no evidence to support that vaping helps. Um, there's, there's evidence to support that people that vape still smoke. Um, mm. and, um, it's not an effective government accept a uh, government, um, accepted way to, right. to quit. Well, that's true. Which is, yeah. I mean, the very last point is true. Technically is true, but Everything Australia is, is the only, you know, the only government that is ignoring these facts. Well, it's unbelievable. I mean, what we're seeing uh, so far this year, because we're almost at the end of 2019, Mm -hmm. uh, but so far, 1.9 million people in the UK quit smoking Mm -hmm. using vaping. 1.9 million. Wow. I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. In Australia, and, uh, you know, I'll have to, uh, I say this with a little bit of caution because we don't have the exact report Mm -hmm. yet, but it seems that we're going to see an increase now. The, the, the estimates go up officially for the number of vaping de- of smoking deaths that go on every day mm. from 52 to 55. Yeah. So everywhere, New Zealand and the UK, the, the golden examples, since uh, nicotine vaping was legalized, an accelerated, mm. uh, there was an acceleration of quit rates. Just like that, immediately. And here, it, deaths are going up. What, what, what is the evidence that... that Greg Hunt is waiting for, or that the policymakers are waiting for. Well, he's just—he's got his own personal bone to pick with vaping. Mm-hmm. So he's just—he's locking out a huge, a huge amount of um, you know smokers in Australia who want to quit, mm. who want to make the switch. But you know, when you've got the health minister and mainstream media saying that vaping is going to kill you, mm. what are you going to do? You're right. gonna, are you going to switch to something that's going to kill you? When you know, it's. It's really just muddied, muddied the water of totally. what's, what's true and what's not true. But even now, the corporate media has totally switched. I, th- I think they got all the clicks that they could out of the hype. And they're like, oh, so, okay, so now we're going to start reporting on the actual facts. Yeah. So now you have Forbes and The Guardian and like Fox and yeah. everyone except for BuzzFeed News, <laughs> no surprise, are saying 
yeah, I mean, we were wrong. Yeah. There, there was there was reason for concern. Mm-hmm. There were deaths that we didn't understand. Yeah. Now we understand them. Well, now that we've looked yeah. into it, now that we know the cause of it, now that mm-hmm. we know it wasn't legal vaping, yeah. we know it was, um, you know, THC. yeah, THC and yeah. vitamin E acetate. Now that we know that, let's move on and let's let's steer the conversation into where it's supposed to be going in Australia. Yeah. Because the evidence is clear now. That's right. And, you know, America has a lot to answer for because mm-hmm. they, they didn't get in front of the, the vaping trend very, very well. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, uh, they didn't set up specific um, places, authorized places to sell nicotine vapes and whatever. That's why you saw kids ordering them. I mean, pretty small amount, but still kids yeah. ordering jewels to mm-hmm. their house with no verification. Now they just have, you know, ample nicotine. That's not good. Mm-hmm. But if there were a problem with vaping inherently, then why why aren't we seeing the issues that we're seeing in the U.S. everywhere where vaping is present? Mm-hmm. Which is to say, okay, yeah, there's vaping in the U.S. There's also vaping in the U.K. There's also vaping in, there in several parts of Europe. Canada. There's vaping in Canada. There's everywhere. We're not seeing deaths there. We're not seeing illnesses there. Doesn't that point to something? Mm. <laughs> I mean, or, or are they just all dormant, just ready to, you know, die on a, on a whim? I'd say not. It, it is slightly concerning uh, that Greg Hunt said prior to announcing an inquiry into the health effects of, mm. of vaping, vaping, nicotine vaping will not happen on his watch. Yeah. So he, yeah. he said that and then proceeded to call an inquiry begging the question of why did he bother? And now what he says is that there are other countries around the world uh, enacting bans on vaping. And if you actually look at who those countries are, Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, you know, mm-hmm. countries with astounding public health records. <laughs> um, not really the countries you want to be taking your lead from. Mm-hmm. New Zealand, great public health care system. Yep. Our neighbours, you're probably the closest country in the world to us, mm-hmm. geographically and mm-hmm. otherwise. Yep. Legal. The UK, the, you know, the origin of Australia, again, we, you know, we share yep. a public health care system and, and a culture and everything, mm-hmm. and legal. Canada, the United States, so many countries. It, it's Legal and seeing results. Yeah. Not yeah. even just, it's legal now, we're waiting. It's legal and we're seeing results. Yeah, to, to the degree that the UK government is even pushing vaping. They've doctors, noticed that it's, that it's mm-hmm. safe. Doctors in the UK are recommending vapes as a way to stop smoking. Yeah. What is that telling us? It's telling us that we don't have all the evidence and that it's very dangerous. Cat, Not enough evidence. Must... Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. I do remember that, that um, interview and Greg Hunt said very openly that it could be the most important thing that he ever does in his own position is to keep And it's kind of, it's kind of crazy really? as well because they're, they're ignoring the evidence from the UK, the US, everywhere else mm-hmm. and they're saying we want Australian evidence. Yeah. Well, how do you expect to collect evidence when it's banned? That's right. You can't. Mm-hmm. So let's look to countries where it is legal, mm-hmm. where it is successful, and let's learn something. Yeah. Because it's just not good enough. I mean, 54 even, deaths a day is not good enough. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, even the success that, that, that Australia has had, considering their, that nicotine isn't legal mm. with vaping, mm-hmm. that people are grabbing the little hardware and just inhaling uh, vapor mm. that tastes like donuts or whatever. Yeah. It's amazing. And they, ha- a lot of them have managed to quit smoking mm. just with the tool, not with the nicotine, and we're yeah. already seeing some pretty spectacular results here. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, we also have the people who are forced into the black, not the black market, the gray market well, by, by ordering it from New Zealand. Why I'm one of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's like, okay, why, why are we forced, why are we forcing our citizens mm-hmm. to break the law to make the best decision for their own health? Yeah, exactly. You think about the absurdity of that situation where, because there's no denying that nicotine vaping happens in Australia. Mm-hmm. It happens, it's just that one, obviously we collect no tax from it. We employ right. no, you know, our businesses don't uh, employ as many people as they would. Oh, this is, um, 
our businesses don't employ as many people as they would if they had a bigger customer base from using uh, nicotine vaping. If you were caught on the black market trying to buy nicotine patches or gum to quit smoking, you wouldn't be vilified the way people trying yeah. to, to bring nicotine in are mm. today. Try. It's absurd. People are trying to quit smoking and save their lives. And to quit mm-hmm. something which is horrendous, like cigarettes. Everyone hates oh. cigarettes. Yeah. Most smokers hate cigarettes. Yeah. But the people who want to quit with vaping, a proven, safer, effective yep. technology, are vilified like they're drug smugglers or something. It's absurd well, to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially, it, it, it is crazy that we still have people who consider themselves serious uh, politicians or serious people in policy saying that something that we have seen over and over fail as, an, as a viable alternative to smoking that that should be the one that we should focus on. Mm. Kind of like this quit page, which was like, eh, mm. just quit cold turkey. Yeah. You'll be fine. Quit, which is like, quit with willpower. Yeah. Which is... Why, the, the, why, did, why did we need to... Why did I need to read that? <laughs> why does anyone need to read that? Well... You can quit by just trying. Okay. Well, I, I, I assume most people that are on that website have tried that mm-hmm. many times. The success rate for quitting cold turkey is something like 12%. Yeah. That's crazy. That's it's not a successful not way. That's not a very, um, yeah, it's not really a good way to, to quit. And I'm, I'm sure there's some people that do. I know people that have been able to and all the power to them. It is a really, really difficult thing to kick. I bet. Smoking cigarettes. Well, you, you, you were able to quit just with vaping, right? Well, just with vaping. I mean, the reason I quit was because uh, Satya, who used to work here, our mm. old policy director, uh, pulled me up on the fact that I was voluntarily giving money to the government each time I purchased a packet <laughs> of cigarettes. That mixed it. with my vape helped me quit. Perfect. <laughs> I can't so say it was just. Of, the, yeah. It was definitely the vaping definitely helped. Definitely <laughs> right. helped me. But that little piece of a uh, little piece of uh, thing to remember. Yeah. Was um, that after the government takes all of this money from my paycheck, I also need to give them a little bit more for my CDs. Yeah. yeah, unreal. But vaping's made it so much easier, and that's mm. and that's the reason um, people are finding it. You know, in the UK and the US and everywhere else yep. where it's legal, um, they're able to quit because it is so successful because it's yep. it it's amazing. Yeah, no, it I, really I think uh, the free market has provided us mm-hmm. with the you know a life saving tool. Uh, it wasn't necessary to have the government uh, you know put their put the boot on people's neck. Mm-hmm. It just appeared. Uh, it was it was uh, efficient and people were going to it. So. Hopefully, we'll see some movement there. We're obviously working every day to to see uh, movement in the right direction. Uh, But we're going to stop here. Thank you both so much for, for being here, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Adipod, a podcast by the Australian Taxpayers Alliance. If you care to know more about the ATA, visit their website, www.taxpayers.org where you'll be able to see their mission statement, their projects, campaigns, objectives, and so much more. Remember, listening to the podcast is free, but creating it isn't. If you'd like to continue to see the Australian Taxpayers Alliance advocacy, please consider becoming a member or donating. You can do this on their website as well. This has been Adipod. We'll see you next time.